stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. All right, welcome back. Our number here, 403-974-8255. So we heard this news yesterday that the uh, Alberta government announcing uh, that five supervised uh, drug consumption sites will be established in Alberta. There was a need to get federal approval from Health Canada before those could go ahead. Uh, and that's been granted. So the first of these will be located in Edmonton and Lethbridge. There is uh, another application pending for a supervised consumption site at the Sheldon Schumer Health Center here in Calgary. It's expected that by the end of the month, there will be approval for that as well. So I wanted to find out a bit more about the role then that these facilities can play in responding to the opioid crisis. Uh, The facility in Lethbridge is uh, going to be uh, operated by a community organization there called Arches. Joining us on the line is Stacey Bork, who is the executive director uh, of Arches. Uh, Stacey, thank you for joining us here. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. Tell us a bit more then about what uh, what Arches is all about. Um, so Arches is an aid service organization um, who works in harm reduction, and we support uh, people living with HIV and or hepatitis C. We work to prevent the transmission of those diseases. We work with people who use drugs and are maybe engaged in the sex trade. Um, so really, I mean, any marginalized population um, that we need to support, but the basis of that is to prevent the transmission um, and more recently moved into uh, focusing on the opioid crisis and reducing the number of deaths that are occurring due to opioid use. All right. And and so explain that, that your organization is going to be uh, operating then this, this site in Lethbridge? Correct. Yes. We're going to integrate supervised consumption services into our current programs and services that we offer. Okay. And so this is right in downtown Lethbridge then? Uh, yes. It'll be on First Avenue South. So it's within uh, two blocks of the shelter and within about a block and a half from a, a health unit downtown and within walking distance of a number of other social service organizations in the city. All right. So how does this work then? Uh, so individuals who use drugs uh, will come in. Uh, there is a registration process so we will gather information on the individual, uh, whether it be their name, um, any health concerns that they might have, what drugs they'll be consuming, the amount they'll be consuming, the method that they'll be consuming those drugs. Um, and then they'll be able to enter into the room. They can consume those drugs uh, under medical supervision uh, for a period of time. Once they're done, they would move into an observation room. They would continue to be monitored by medical personnel. Uh, and at that point, they can then make their way into other areas of the facility, uh, whether they're looking for some meaningful daily activity or some nourishment, counseling services, other nursing supports for wound care, or maybe STI testing, uh, housing first support. Uh, maybe they're looking to see a doctor, et cetera, so they can move into other areas or, you know, for some of them, they'll carry on uh, with other daily activities outside of the organization. Is there an opportunity to, to test the drugs themselves or is it more a case of, well, look, if, if there's possible contamination, at least there's a response on site to, to prevent an overdose death? Um, at this point, it is it is to be able to respond in case there is an overdose. It's also to uh, create greater connection to other support services. So by having all of the wraparounds in one place, um, that they can have direct and immediate access to other forms of care, people are more likely to engage in those interactions. Yeah. Um, it is obviously to decrease the number of overdoses and overdose deaths that are occurring in our community. Um, there are There is equipment and or opportunities for testing to occur of those drugs, uh, whether it be through... Uh, litmus type strips that test positive for fentanyl um, or more um, 
higher levels of technology that can test for various uh, substances in in the drugs that that they'd be consuming. But what I found in our experience is that, um, you know, even with the knowledge that uh, that pill might contain fentanyl, um, if that is what they have in the moment, um, their body needs that in order to move forward with the rest of the day. So it it generally isn't a preventative measure to reduce um, consumption or prevent people from using the substance that they've come into the facility with. All right. Um, so as you say, there, there's there's the additional benefits maybe of, of some of these people having access to, to services and information that maybe they wouldn't otherwise have access to. But I guess first and foremost, this is about preventing deaths, right? Absolutely. Um, I mean, in Lethbridge specifically, we lost nine people in all of last year. And in the first half of this year, we already lost 80 or sorry, eight, um, which accounts for 80 percent of the overdose deaths in the cell phone. Um, our rate was 8.4 per 100,000, which was higher than both Calgary and Edmonton in the first half of this year. So um, it definitely is a really big concern for us. Um, our reporting to emergency department for opioid poisoning is more than 25 percent of the provincial average. Um, so we do have a significant issue in Lethbridge. Do you think that there are enough people who want to use this service, right? What, what's the incentive then for someone maybe who, who at this point maybe doesn't care about, you know, wh- whether he or she lives or dies? Uh, do, do you believe that enough people want to come in and, and make use of these services? I do. We already serve the population currently, um, and we see over 700 people walk through our door in a month um, to access harm reduction services already. These are people we have pre-existing relationships with, people that we expect will continue to want to engage um, and and continue to build that relationship with us. Um, And we did do quite an extensive needs assessment and 85% of the people that we we surveyed uh, who are a population indicated that they would absolutely use the site. All right. That they realize that they're dealing with an addiction uh, and they don't want it to end uh, with, with their death. No, I don't think anybody wants to die. But when we're talking about addiction, people can't stop in a lot of circumstances. Um, You know, we have conversations about rock bottom frequently, right? And we just need to let them hit rock bottom. We need to, you know, let it take its course and eventually they're going to make a different decision. Well, for a lot of these individuals, you know, if they've lost custody of their children, their job, connection to family, their housing, um, you know, their health, and all of these other things have occurred. They've overdosed maybe a couple of times already. They know death is a potential when they're using and that isn't enough to say, you know, I have to stop, right? What does that tell us? That realistically there probably isn't a rock bottom for a lot of people and that it's not a choice, right? Nobody would choose to lose their family or choose to die um, in this instance. And so, you know, it, it is a difficult concept. It's a controversial one and we recognize that, but I mean, that's the perspective that we work from and the message that our clients give us on a regular basis. You, you probably hear this, and I mean, we've been hearing this point since the, the original debate around insight, that we're somehow enabling uh, the, the use of these, these drugs by, by having a site like this. What, what do you say to that? Well, I mean, how do you enable something that's already happening? So whether we provide them with the tools, um, they were using drugs long before we were distributing syringes um, in the world. You know, people were using drugs long before there was programs to support people who were using drugs. There's always going to be a subset of the population who uses drugs. Um, And I think, you know, you can't 
make somebody do something. And what we can do, though, is we can put measures in place to ensure that we're keeping people alive so that they do have an opportunity to make a different decision on another day. Um, you know, but I don't think we can make people... Drug users are some of the absolute most resourceful people in the world. Um, and when we look at the different mechanisms, so I hear people say, well, just stop handing out needles or just stop doing this. And then, you know, you wouldn't be enabling them and then they wouldn't be using the drugs. But the reality is they will find a way. Um, you know, we've seen people make rigs or needles, you know, out of hollowed out big pens, elastic bands, paper clips, and coffee stir sticks. You know, they will always find a way um, to get what they need in that moment, regardless of what we're doing. So is it better for us to be able to um, assist them to move along the continuum and improve their health um, and reduce the impact on the community? Uh, or, you know, do we, do we leave it on the other side and watch what happened, you know, in the 80s with the HIV epidemic? Right. That addiction is much more complex than simply wagging a finger at someone and saying, stop doing that. Of course. Of course it is. I mean, it's an illness, right? I mean, the neural pathways in the brain change when people start using drugs. The way that our body responds and reacts to stimuli changes. Um, You know, they've done studies. So, you know, people walking by, for example, if you've been using opiates for a long period of time and a really cute puppy walks by, um, you know, we all go, oh, that's so cute. Um, and so for an individual who's been consuming opiates for a long time, they may know the socially acceptable response is, oh, that's so cute, but they don't actually feel that. Um, you know, that same level of joy that we feel when we have fun, you know, playing tag or something, those very, you know, basic uh, feelings that, that we grew up having kind of fade away, right? Because our body becomes reliant on that chemical response and, and it gets given to us and our body stops producing those chemicals naturally and so it absolutely changes the way that we think the way that we function Um, our body becomes very very reliant on it Um, without it they get very very sick Um, you know and so it it doesn't it far surpasses choice you know and and becomes and it is an illness you know no different than anything else so when does the uh, site open Uh, we are hoping for January 2nd 2018 all right. Well, Stacey, thank you so much for making some time for us here today. Really appreciate this. Thank you for having me. All right. Take care. That's Stacey Bork, Executive Director of Arches, a harm reduction agency in Lethbridge. Uh, the approval has been granted. They're going to be operating this facility, as she says, probably by January. There will be four in Edmonton and expected uh, later this month approval uh, for a site in Calgary, the Sheldon Schumier Center. Uh, and I think this harm reduction component is, is clearly necessary. So this is long overdue, but this is going to help save lives, I think. 403-974-8255 is a number. We are back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.